Good morning. Thanks again for being here. Man, excited for, for what we get to do this morning. Guys, you know, you can tell it's a little bit different. So be a fun morning. Excited to see what God's going to do. But I uh, need to do one thing first. Need your help with it. Okay. So and I, I recognize this is maybe asking the impossible, but I have a quarter. And as best as you can, can you tell me heads or tails? No. Let's try again. All right. Try again. Try again. Can you tell heads or tails? No, okay, now hang on a second. I know y'all back there can't see it, so I'm not even asking you. Front rows. Positive you can't see it. Front rows. Heads or tails? No, no, no. Heads or tails? Who said neither? This is not a magic trick. Right, right. So, so what you're seeing, you're seeing something, right? Let's try again. What are you seeing again? You're still wrong. Alright, so anyway, so you obviously are seeing something very different with me, because what I'm seeing is what? What do I see? <laughs> Make an educated guess. What do you think I'm seeing? You're seeing heads, I'm probably seeing tails. Tails, there you go, because every coin has two sides, exactly. And what happened here on a very small scale happens relatively often in our home, in our workplace, and throughout our just society. And, and this has never happened to me, but I'm sure you've been in situations where you and your spouse don't see eye to eye. Like I said, totally not in my house whatsoever. Um, I'm sure you see one thing and your spouse says, no, you're an idiot, here's what I see. And thus we have conflict and tension, right? Becky and I never fight. We just have arguments and discussions on varying levels. That's, that's all we have. And you think of in the workplace, I'm sure you and your boss always are seeing the same thing. So we don't even need to talk about that one. Your kids, they see one thing, you see another thing. And what's interesting is we see the same thing. We're looking at the very same thing, yet our perspective is extremely different. As you see heads, I see tails, yet we're looking at the very same coin. What we have is a perspective problem. It's a perspective problem because you're seeing something that I don't see, and I see something that you don't. And if we're not careful, we'll go through life looking at the same thing, looking at the coins and all these different environments and all these different relationships. And if we stay stuck on, no, 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 it, it's tails. I don't know why you're seeing heads, but I promise you it's tails. And we never take the time to look from somebody else's perspective. We will only always have our perspective. I know that sounds redundant, but that's, that's, that's where we find ourselves often is you see one thing, I see another thing. We're looking at the same thing, but we cannot see each other's perspective. It's not always a right and wrong. It can be, but sometimes it's just different perspectives. And what I'm hoping we'll be able to do as we look through Scripture this morning is be able to see the importance and the value of different perspectives. If you have your Bibles, I want you to head over to John chapter 4. As you're getting there, let me read something out of Proverbs 4. You don't have to turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2 says this, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions, their own perspective, what they think, what they feel, what they see. They walk through a fool, Scripture says, walks around their world. It's tails. It's tails. It's tails. It's only tails. It's always ever been tails. It will always be tails. I don't know why you think it's heads, but it is, has been, will always be tails. A fool has no interest in understanding. A fool has no interest in saying, really, you think it's heads. Why? Tell me what you're seeing. Why do you think that? They have no interest in trying to gain understanding. doesn't mean that they agree. The goal is not agreeing here. The goal is 
do you have an interest in understanding? Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. In our culture and in our society, just like in any culture and society, it's natural, it's normal to have cultural boundaries. Not saying it's right, I'm just saying it happens because we tend to gravitate towards people that look like us, think like us, talk like us, grew up like us, believe like us. And anybody that has a different perspective, we tend to not welcome as easily. If you're with a group and they don't share the same perspective as you, you tend to walk and find somebody else that has that same perspective. And we fit in better with people that have the same perspective than us. But wise people, not fools, but wise people are willing to gain understanding. Well, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? Watch your experience. And we're willing to look at the other side of the coin with them. That's what I'm hoping we can do. In scripture, as we're going to see, then God moments happen out of those changes of perspectives. Then God moments happen when we, when we open our eyes to more than just what we see, more than just the, the tails side of the coin that we may see. See, these then God moments go beyond anything that we can see. It's beyond just our perspective. God's ability and willingness to do then God moments is not based on our ability to see it. It transcends what we see. It transcends our perspective. But if we're able to open up our eyes and see from different perspectives, then we do open up the door to see what God is doing. We get to celebrate those then-God moments and even be part of some of the then-God moments for many, many different people as we're going to see. What I want you to pay attention to as we look at John chapter 4 here is how Jesus cared more about the person than the perspective. He cared more about the heart than he did the upbringing or the belief or the thinking or the... He focused on the person, and he crossed over these cultural boundaries of his day. Cultural boundaries of his day, very similar to our day. Race, religion, gender, all sorts of things that are kind of the hush-hush, hot topics of today. Jesus said, I care more about the person. I care about their heart, not these human lines drawn. But I want to see from their side, and I want to be able to have a conversation. So that's what we're going to see. If you have your Bible, like I said, John chapter 4, you might be familiar with this passage known as the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. And just to give you a little context as we jump into it, Jesus and his disciples have been walking around doing what Jesus does, ministering to people, caring for people, healing people, telling people about him and the good news, that God loves them, all of that he's been walking around doing. And he gets to the outskirts of this Samaritan village. If you know anything about the Bible or Bible times, do Jews and Samaritans get along? No. no. They have nothing to do with each other. It is a cultural boundary line that they don't cross. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Samaritans do not associate with Jews. So Jesus and his disciples, Jews, find themselves on the outskirts of this Samaritan town. The disciples head into that town to get some food. Jesus sits down at the well and encounters a woman, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. John chapter 4, we're going to pick it up, in, in verse, starting in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Verse 8, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, before we see her response, understand that cultural boundary there of men and women, but also Jew and Samaritan, religious, religion, race, gender, you name it, there's... There's a lot of cultural boundaries that Jesus is beginning to cross just by talking to her. And she recognizes it. Verse 9. Look at her first response, her first reaction to Jesus. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's her first response. 
But what's interesting here is, first of all, Jesus doesn't care about it. He cares more about the person. He cares about the heart. But what's interesting is the woman here, she has a couple choices. She first is, why are you even talking? We should not be having this conversation. Like, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. I've got a reputation that is more than you probably have time to hear. So this, why am I even still talking to you? I shouldn't even be here. It would have made more sense for her to have heard Jesus' words and then to have just walked off. But she begins a small engagement with Jesus. She begins a conversation starting with this one question. How can you even ask me for a drink? And that opens the door to a conversation. A healthy dialogue between Jesus, and we don't know her name. She's just called the woman, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. They begin this healthy dialogue about everything. If you were to keep reading, I'm not going to read through all of it, but if you were to keep reading through, she begins to ask Jesus question after question after question. And they talk again about religion because the Samaritans believe something different than the Jews. And she says, well, you talk about worshiping here, but we Samaritans, we worship like this. And Jesus answers her. And she talks about, well, I'm a woman, you're a man. And she, they bring that up. They even bring up her reputation. It gets very personal. Or Jesus says, well, what about your husband? And she says, if you know the story, she says this. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five. You've had five. And the man you're now with is not your husband. What you said have said is quite true. So in other words, it's not just talking about some of these big issues. Now, now they're having a conversation about her. It's getting personal. They even talk about water out of everything else. They even talk about water. I mean, literally, they talk about everything. And every time she asks a question, Jesus answers. And then she asks another question. Healthy dialogue between two people that should not have been having any conversation at all. According to culture. According to culture, this conversation should not have even happened. Yet here they are, having conversations. She's asking questions. Jesus is answering. They're having great discussion, great conversation, all the way down to verse 25. Verse 25, because she's, she's trying to see from Jesus' side. She's trying to see from Jesus' perspective. Because we're looking at the same thing, but man, we don't see the same thing. So finally she says this, verse 25, still in John 4. The woman said, well, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. In other words, they've talked about all these different things. And she's, man, I'm really trying to see your side of the coin. I'm trying to gain your perspective. I'm, but I'm struggling to see from your side, Jesus. And she said, but I know there's a Messiah. I know his name will be Christ. I know he'll be here. And then I'm sure he will help me in my perspective. I'm sure he'll help us and help us understand everything. And Jesus is great. You had to think that in that moment, Jesus kind of smirks kind of smiles a little bit, gives a pause, and says, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Verse 27, just then his disciples returned, and they were, and say this word with me, they were surprised. His disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking to the woman. But no one asked, and some translations say no one dared, no one had the nerve to ask, Jesus, well, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? So they didn't say anything. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? <coughs> they came out of the town and made their way toward him. You see, we see very different perspectives and responses to those perspectives in just a, a short story here. This woman and Jesus begin a dialogue, very different perspectives. Again, just going through the list again, between race and gender and religion, 
everything they had differing perspectives on and, and what culture had drawn a line in and how they were responding to those and how they grew up and what they were taught and what they thought and what they believed. They had different perspectives on those. But the woman was willing to engage with Jesus in a conversation. She, she was willing to try to understand. Remember, that's what Proverbs says. A fool doesn't want to try to understand, but a wise person is willing to try to understand, to gain understanding. I, I, I don't see why you see it that way. Help me understand. And she asked question after question. She's making an effort. And if we're going to try to see the coin from somebody else's perspective, we have to be willing to put some sincere effort into it. So often we just don't want to because it's a lot harder. It's a lot more uncomfortable. This is what I see, so this has to be it. But the woman was saying, no, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. And when we give sincere effort, when we make a sincere effort, that's when we gain a new perspective. Because that's how this part ends of the story, isn't it? He says, well, I'm the Messiah. And she's, she's starting to see from his side now. Not totally, because she goes back to the town and says, I think this might be it. Not he is, I, I think he is. But started out from, there's no way to, I think, that's a big change of perspective. She goes to a town where she does not have a good reputation, yet she goes to them anyway, says, you've got to see this man, you've got to hear from this man. I think he's the one we're waiting for. So they come all, come all out, they all come out, and they begin to ask some questions. They begin a dialogue with Jesus. <coughs> see, this woman has a healthy effort, gives a healthy effort in trying to gain a new perspective. Jesus just crossed all cultural lines. And then what did the disciples do? Did the disciples say anything to Jesus at this point? Did they say anything to him? Go back and look. It says that they were, what was the word you said out loud? They returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or what are you talking? Why are you talking with her? They're all thinking the same thing. They come up on the scene and they see Jesus and a Samaritan woman who they may or may not have known of the, of the reputation she held. They see this. This, this unfold, and they're like, why is he doing this? You ask him. He, John, you're the favorite. You need to say it. He won't get mad at you. And they kind of have this internal thinking, but no one wanted to vocalize it. No one was willing to do what the Samaritan woman did. None of the disciples were willing to ask Jesus a question. The Samaritan woman had a long list of questions. What about this? And what about this? And how do you believe that? And why is that the case? The disciples just saw this and said, we'll just leave it alone. They don't say anything. They don't have any interest in gaining understanding. They don't have any interest in hearing Jesus' perspective or even the woman's perspective. They didn't ask. They didn't care to ask. What's interesting and kind of funny, well, sad but funny, is the disciples finally do get the nerve to say something. And you want to hear what they, they, they actually started to say? It's several verses later, so the whole town has already come out, and now Jesus, the Samaritan woman, and this whole town, they're now talking and having conversations. The disciples still haven't said anything. Finally gets to the point... Verse 31, where the disciples start to say, Jesus, are you hungry? And you've got to think that Jesus said, seriously? Out of everything that's happening, out of everything that you're seeing right now, that's the question you want to ask me. Am I hungry? That's it. And he does get sarcastic with them. His response to them is, no, I don't want your food. Look at what we have in front of us. What are we going to do? See, the disciples were so focused on their side of the coin, they couldn't fathom trying to look at somebody else's perspective. They never had the nerve to ask a question where this woman asked question after question after question, engaging in a conversation, having a dialogue that led to a change of perspective. Now, follow the chain of events here. 
A conversation that should have never happened. If it was up to the disciples, this conversation would not have happened. Jesus and this woman have a conversation that leads to a, a changing of perspective for this woman who runs to the town and says, you've got to see what I'm starting to see here. Let, something's, something's not what we thought. I think this might be the Messiah. The whole town comes out, and they begin to have a conversation with Jesus. And at the very end, verse 37, Scripture says, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. It all started because of a conversation that culturally should not have happened. But Jesus crossed, crossed all of these cultural boundaries. They had a conversation. The woman was willing to continue to ask healthy questions. While the disciples just stood in the back and said, well, this is... This is what I think, this is what I believe, this is how I was raised, so I don't want to have any problems. Are we willing to look at the other side of the coin? Or are we so stuck in our own ways that we cannot fathom to put in the effort to look at somebody else's perspective? Understand, perspective is a muscle. It's got to be exercised. It's got to be used, it's got to be practiced, it's got to be exercised. None of us have the natural tendency to always see from somebody else's point of view and their perspective. No, it's just called human nature. We have to work at it. Now, I'm told if you go to a gym and work out, I've not experienced this for very long, but I'm, I'm told if you go to the gym and work out, you actually see changes in your physical appearance, apparently. And how many of you are right-handed? Dominant right hand? Okay, that tends to be the norm. Lefties, my son's a lefty, so I've got love for you. But what if you went to the gym and only worked out on your dominant side? Well, I'm, I'm right-handed, so... Why even bother with my left hand? It doesn't bother, it doesn't do anything whatsoever. It's just dead to me on this side. What if I just worked out the right side of my body? Would I, over time, assuming I stuck with it all the time, I would start to look a little odd, wouldn't I? <laughs> start to look a little lopsided. No, our perspective has to be treated the same way. We have to work out both sides. And, and there's going to be one side that's going to be more natural for you. It's going to be easier. There's going to be another side that's going to take some effort. But we've got to work out that perspective muscle seeing the coin from both sides, seeing from other people's perspective. challenge that was laid out before me and a bunch of a room full of leaders was this. Invite someone to the table with a different perspective. Invite someone to the table with a different perspective. Again, we naturally gravitate towards people that have the same perspective as us. But there is value, there is richness in having a table of people that have a different perspective. It's again, it's not the goal is not to all agree and now have the same perspective. The goal is to gain understanding. You don't have to agree. But are you willing to put in the sincere effort to gain understanding and to gain a new perspective? So we're going to actually do that this morning. I have some folks that are going to help me. I'm calling this our perspective panel. So perspective panel, come on up. As they're making their way up here, let me just give you a, a little background on on how this is going to work and what we're going to be doing is as they come on up, they're going to, going to get them a microphone. And I could easily have more than just the three of them on stage. I mean, we could easily have, we could easily have a hundred people on stage and have a perspective panel of a hundred people and we would have a hundred different perspectives and it would take all weekend. And so I'll respect your time, their time. And, and so I've just got three. These are not like the only perspectives. These are some perspectives, but I want us to practice what we're talking about and say, what if we just looked at the coin from the other side? And uh, you may know some of these folks, you may not. They all go to Mountain Lake Church here on the Dawson campus and involved on different levels. And um, I have a relationship and know each and every one of them. And I'll tell you two things about them first and foremost. One, uh, they believe in Jesus. 
And if nothing else, if we have nothing else in common, we have that in common. And they are firm believers in Jesus and love love God with all their heart. And they also don't play, and then Shane's even going to speak to a little bit of this in his story, but they don't play what I would call the victim card. So often we look at our perspective, and the downside of that, one of the downsides is, well, nobody understands me, nobody gets me, and we can easily fall into kind of that victim role. And I'll tell you, none of them do that. They have different perspectives, different life experiences, just like we all have. So I'm just going to ask, we're going to have a conversation just like Jesus and the woman at the well. We're going to talk about all sorts of different things and different perspectives. And with the goal of, yes, we have one thing in common when it comes down to it, Jesus. But are we willing to put in the sincere effort to look on the other side of the coin? So, ladies first. Patty, we'll start with you. Share your name and just the perspective that you're going to be speaking from this morning. Hi, I'm Patty, and I have the perspective of a woman in corporate America. I've actually started with the same company about 30 years ago, and 30 years ago, corporate and worldview of women pursuing careers are very different than, than now. Um, the attributes and the characteristics of um, what I represented didn't fit their perspective of what um, a leader was. And I did hear their side, and I'll tell you, I didn't agree with it and I didn't change it, but I was glad because I stayed true to who I was. I stayed true to those characteristics and those attributes because they were God-given. So he wasn't going to give us something that he can't glorify. Um, and I can look back and now see how the fact that you know, maybe I've talked a lot. <laughs> That's why I'm here, so this works for me. Um, but that also gives me an opportunity that I'm willing to engage and I'm willing to um, build into relationships and um, ask questions and seek that other perspective. You know, yes, I, I can get emotional and passionate, but that brings that empathy and that willingness. Um, so, although we didn't agree, I didn't hightail and run. That's great, that's great. Sean, tell us a little about you, man. Hi, my name is Sean Butte. I'm a business owner here in Forsyth County. And my perspective coming from moving from New York to Georgia. And you're saying there's a different perspective from New York and North Georgia? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning something new, a new yeah. perspective I have now. And it's a lot, it's a lot of greenery. <laughs> you know, New York is the concrete jungle, as they say. And, and just moving here, um, we moved from New York, like I said, to um, Dunwoody. And, you know, it's a beautiful place. And, you know, we lived here for two years. and. We were deciding to get a place, so we decided to start looking, and we moved to um, just right off Jotham Down. While we were still in Dunwoody, our neighbors was like, um, no, our mailman, I'm sorry, mailman was like, you sure you want to move to Forsyth County? <laughs> I said, why? Because I have no clue. He said, do some research. It was like, wow, it's, it's, it's opening your eyes to a lot. But, you know, I didn't let that change my mind. I was already in contract for a new home, so, you know, just one day, you know, just, we already moved here. And, you know, about two years ago, something happened in our neighborhood, and I was just, you know, I jumped in the car. My wife said, hey, check it out. And I drove to the front, didn't have my ID, and there was two police cars by the pool. And I was like, you know, I got out the car, I said, hey, what's going on? I said, I said, is everything okay? He said, um, where's your ID? Uh, it seemed like the whole thing just changed. Like, I became the perp like I've done something wrong when I just basically asked a question. And, you know, 
it was so bad to the point where the officer kept asking me, um, do you have a warrant? Do you, you know, you have a criminal record? I said, officer, I've never been in, been in jail. And coming from where my dad was, a law, was in law enforcement, he was an officer in New York. So, you know, you look at it and it, it, it's funny how people tend to look at you. Maybe I didn't belong in the neighborhood. Maybe I didn't fit what the neighborhood should be. You know, it's so funny. And I said to the officer, hey, can you just do me the courtesy and drive to the back? I live in the back. My wife would give him my ID. My, my wife just had spinal surgery. He couldn't give me that courtesy. So somehow I was managed. My son actually pulled up with his coach, football coach. He was going to North Side High. And the coach drove him to the back and told my wife what was going on. She had to walk from the back, mind you, she had surgery, to come to the front just to bring my ID. The kicker to that is, he called for backup, about six different cars was there, and he, the guy, one of the officers came with a handheld fingerprint device. I had to put, he said, if you have a warrant, if you have anything, you're going to jail today. I didn't have anything. So I gently put my finger on there, came back nothing. But the fact is, I didn't let that change who I am. I could have got up, I could have said, babe, let's move from here. This is too much to deal with. But we stayed here because I always figured God put us here for a reason. The irony of this is now, my wife is a 911 officer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, really? You know, so you, you learn and you can't let, you know, the ignorance of one change your whole, your whole outlook on society. Because there are good people in the world. Maybe he might just have a bad day. You know, and hopefully he'll learn from that. You know, but that didn't change who I am. I love people. You know, I came from a background, my family had restaurants in New York. I dealt with people every day. And you just have to show that community where love conquers everything. No matter what a person goes through, they just want to see, you know, maybe some kind words. You know, I always say God put someone in your place and in front of you for a reason. And that's what it's about. And I'm here, if I would've got up and leave, I wouldn't be in church today. This is community right here. I love this. I meet different people every day. I have a cleaning business. I see different people every day. You know, and I try to get to know everyone. And it's easier that way. Instead of we let our ignorance compound us and we have no idea, you know, what that other person is or, you know, their behavior. Or what. Just, just, just try to get to know everyone. You know, don't judge anyone and we could just move on from there. And life would be easy. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Shane Treadaway. Uh, had a couple people in the first service ask me if I'm Shad's brother. <laughs> you guys don't look anything alike. <laughs> and, and I only admit that in safe company, so you guys are safe. If you know my brother Shad, he's a pastor. He was formerly a pastor of Mountain Lake in Gainesville. But um, I'm coming from a perspective of a parent with a uh, child with special needs. And um, to give you a little bit about our background, I married my high school sweetheart, Missy, who's here in the front this morning. Uh, when I was 20, she was 19, and now we have kids that age, and it scares me to death. <laughs> we were babies. And we had our first son, our son, uh, when I was uh, 22, she was 21. And we knew that there were some things different, and by the time he was, I think, around first grade, I uh, was diagnosed with autism. And we encountered many challenges. Uh, as I said, we were going in our early 20s and trying to figure out what this thing called autism was. And at that time, you know, if any of your family members, you know, have 
children with special needs, or if you do, you know, in the mid to late 90s, there wasn't a lot of research, and was a lot of information out there. So our plan was to be as involved as we could. We took him out to restaurants. Eventually, we had our daughter, Lauren, who's been a saving grace for us. And we just tried to be a normal family. And, you know, a lot of the perceptions that we encountered out there were very negative toward us uh, as we felt like we were bad parents. We had bad parenting skills. Uh, we would have meltdowns in restaurants, and people would look at us and make rude comments. And, very challenging but there was a pivotal point in our life which I'll share in a little bit with you that uh, really changed our perspective and I think God opened our eyes and enabled us to be able to reach other people with that so it's kind of our, our story and in your introductions you kind of each kind of alluded to and, and told there's there's challenges when you're faced with somebody else or a group of people that have a different perspective I mean, when when you you're looking at heads and somebody else is looking at tails uh, it's, it's a shocker, I'm sure, that we would fight over that, that there would be conflict over that. And, uh, and as you heard each of their perspectives, you, you could hear, okay, there, there, there's some conflict that came out of this. There's some tensions that were coming through this. So um, maybe uh, you kind of shared, shared a little bit, but how, how did that make you feel? What was kind of going through your mind when you're facing someone else or a group of people with a different perspective? You, know, you don't have to go into details of the story necessarily if you don't want to, but, but what was that like? And, and how did you begin to navigate? Okay, here, here I am with this perspective. Here, this person is with that their perspective. How do you begin to navigate that? Um, I think for me, it was a matter of um, not bending certain attributes, not stopping um, certain uh, approaches that I would always have, but yet willing to um, engage in those conversations, willing to stick it out. It's um, a lot of roadblocks and saying okay well I can either allow them to put a roadblock in front of me and put me in another direction or no I need just to overcome that roadblock and I need to do it well um, not forcefully but well and then being able to take those lessons of all those different perspectives and how how did I have to handle that and make sure as I advance that I'm not instilling those experiences onto others, um, taking advantage of mentoring programs or um, whether it be uh, official mentoring program or something just um, very natural that would happen in the workplace and just take advantage of the experience I had and the willingness I had to kind of work through it rather than run, run away from it. That's good. Sean, how about you? As you talk through even some of these conflicts that you've experienced with differing perspectives, what was going through your head? How how do you begin to, in that instance, and even you know up until today, how do you continue to to react to those or not react to those? Maybe is a better way of asking it. Well, I could have changed my outlook from from the beginning, where my mailman told me not to come this way, you know. But you look at you know that officer; he couldn't have a stressful day, and I can't let you know his opinion of me change who I am. There are great people in the world. You know, my dad was an officer, so I know it's a stressful job. And who knows what he was going through, but, you know, that didn't change my outlook. Okay, you know, I wasn't rude. You know, if we were to take the time and just to go around the corner, we could have resolved it, but it's just so I can't judge everyone. You know, and I'm not going to allow his ignorance defy who I become as a person. So, you know, people are great. You know, some have a good day, some have an off day, but a little bit of kindness goes a long way and that's all that's good. You know. 
can speak a little bit more to some of those conflicts, some of those tensions that, that you and your family kind of wrestled with? Sure. Um, you know, the early years were, were very challenging for us. Uh, as I mentioned, I mean, we just really were going through hard times and didn't really know what to do. There weren't a lot of resources out there, a lot of help uh, for us. So it, it, we got to a point where my wife and I, we looked at each other and said, you know, if we're going to survive this, we've got to depend on each other. We've got to stay strong. And we did that. Um, we got closer and we leaned on each other. We leaned on our church. We leaned on our faith. And we, you know, were able to, to, to kind of get through those years. But there was a, a pivotal point during that time, um, right around that same time, where I used to go in. You know, we put our son to bed, and I think our daughter was even a little baby at that time. But I'd go in his room, and I would bow down, and I'd pray over him every single night. And I remember night after night after night for I don't even know how long, I would just pray that God would take what, whatever it was that he had, whatever he was struggling with, and just give it to me. Because I wanted him to grow up to be a normal boy. And I couldn't understand it. I had bitterness, and it was just really a struggle for me. And then one night... It all went away. I remember praying that same prayer, and God spoke to my heart that night as if he was just sitting on the corner of the bed with me. And he said, you need, you need to give this up. You need to realize that he's a diamond in the rough and that you've been chosen to go through this journey with him. And at that moment, it just, everything changed. My eyes opened, and I realized that, you know, I need to be grateful for what we have. And uh, my wife and I, we got stronger, and we had a different outlook on life and from that point we took we took a different walk and a different perspective and it wasn't always easy I mean like you mentioned Brian it's like a muscle I mean you have to work that you have to but what it enabled us to do having a different perspective and seeing it now through the eyes that God wanted us to see it through we were able to when we would go in those restaurants I mean there were times where those comments would come out those negative thoughts would come out I would go sit down with people and I would take Caleb and and he's right over here. I would take him. We'd sit down. We'd just have a conversation with people just to explain our story a little bit. And this guy's been such a blessing to me. And he's my hero. Caleb, raise your hand right there, buddy. Hold your hand up. I want everybody to see you. He's my hero. And when, growing up, when, when I get old, I want to be just like him. When I grow up, I want to be just like him. And, and I just now I'm grateful that God has allowed us to walk through this experience. It's incredible. Last question for the, the three of you is, as you've walked through the wrestling and the tensions, the conflict that just come because of multiple perspectives and us trying to do life with one another, how, how important is it to you uh, personally to continue to put forth that sincere effort to see from other perspectives? Because, I mean, you've all have said, said it where it would have been very easy to allow somebody else's actions, their response, their perspective to just totally change who you were. In, in any of those environments, but what I'm hearing, a, a commonality between all of you is, no, we're, I'm still willing to look at other people's perspectives, and we can agree to disagree, but I'm still willing to, to not let that change who I am. So maybe just briefly tell us that. How important is it, why is it so important for you personally to continue to put forth the effort, effort to see other people's perspectives? For me, the company I started at 30 years ago, I was 16, so people were pouring into me, um, and I had to take what they had and kind of figure out my perspective at that point, and that grew, um, and now it's I get to pour into, and the fact that I can take the time and engage in conversations and um, engage in building these relationships over the course of the last several years. 
um, going from being the one, one of many to now, you know, the location I'm at now has got over 100 people that I get to pour into. Um, over the last couple of years, I had one unwed mother who was expecting a second unplanned pregnancy, and she had no clue what she was going to do, and being able to walk through her, uh, walk with that, walk her through that. Um, then I had a gentleman, I'd met him early in my shift, and about six hours later he came back and said, I don't know how I know this, but you're a praying woman, my family needs prayer. So to be able to have that. Um, more, most recent was people talking about different managers and different styles and what makes one different than the other, and my name had come up, and one of the associates said, she's got Jesus. So to know that I stayed true to those attributes and the characteristics that were at one point the thing that was stopping me, the one point that um, was the roadblock, to stay true to those and to, to learn to grow those strengths. Um, and then God get to, to use that in, in the workplace. And it's a fine line to walk a corporate world and bring in religion. So it really truly has to be almost a natural thing and intentional and yet not intentional at the same time. It's a fine line. And he's been able to um, use me for that. Sean, awesome. how about you? Why is multiple perspectives still important for you personally? It's important because I remember one day you know, I went out on a job with my son, and it impacted me by what he said. He said to me, you know, Dad, I hope we continue to meet great people, good people, and that makes a difference, you know, because I want him to know you're going to run into obstacles. You might go somewhere with someone not like you, but, you know, you can possibly change that person outlook of you, change the perspective of you, you know, just have hope and keep going forward. There are plenty of good people in the world. You know, sometimes I look at the world that we live in, and like right now we have this, the issue with the hurricanes going on, and so many, so many people need help. And I, I take that in a way that that's how God trying to get us to come together as people, because we are our own self-destruction. You know, we don't take the time anymore just to reach out and talk to someone, show caring, you know, just to say hello. You know, the things that, you know, you could touch someone by just giving them a smile. And we as society, we are losing that. There's so much hate and so much ignorance that's going on in the world. We have to change. And I'm going to continue. God put me here for a reason, put me in Forsyth County. I like the cows, but I'm going to, <laughs> you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here and I'm going to continue to reach out to people and I'm continue to be a community, always. Why is, why is that that effort still important for you? Well, it's still important just because I realized that, uh, you know, early earlier on in those early years that uh, I may have had more of a victim mentality, like you said earlier, um, to, to realize that I'm not a victim. I've been chosen. I feel I truly feel like that. And, and to use this with this new perspective as a vehicle to enlighten others, um, those other perspectives that we encountered that were negative toward us in our life and, these folks have experienced as well. Those are barriers that are set up. A lot of that's born out of ignorance. A lot of it's, it's barriers that have been set up by mankind, not by God. And just like, you know, when Jesus was sitting there with the Samaritan woman, you know, those barriers were set up by man and he broke those down. And I think, too, it, it's an honor to be able to have the opportunity where we can, um, through his guidance, break those barriers down in our life. That's great. I want you guys to stay up here. Let me read a couple passages and I just want maybe a one word, so be thinking of one word 
um, and that comes to mind as I'm reading through these. Out of Ephesians, Paul, the Apostle Paul is really saying something very similar uh, to the early churches, saying, hey, we've got to be unified, we've got to be united together. He says this, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Here's, here's what that looks like. He said, you need to be worthy of the calling. Here's what that looks like. He paints it in verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called by one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Notice there's a lot of ones and alls in that passage. And what, what Paul's getting at is like, look, the kingdom of God is, is full of different people. And not everybody's going to have the same perspective as you. But we can all agree on this one thing, that Jesus is our Savior. That God is Lord of all. And if we will remain united, notice it says to keep the unity, not create uniformity. Very big difference. It says here, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. United. Unity is the goal, not uniformity. I mean, every single one of us on stage is very different in a lot of ways. Every single one of you in the seats, different in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But we are also united with that one thing in common of Jesus Christ. If we're a believer, then we have him in common. Now he goes on and he says, here's why that's important. Here's what that looks like and how it works. Here's why. Verse 16, still Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 16 says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. And look at this, full of love. That's the picture of the church. Different people with different perspectives united in God so that we are growing together, we're healthy together, but ultimately full of love. So final question for you, I'll kind of put you on the spot here a little bit, is after hearing that of what Paul's perspective is scripturally, now he, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so his perspective is accurate, it's right here, you can argue with it, but it, you'd be wrong. Uh, so based on his perspective, what's one word that comes to mind? Just one word, give you real quick to think about one word that comes to mind in, in hearing, now, hearing those scriptures in any order. For me, expand. Expand the kingdom, expand our perspectives, and expand that, the love in the church. That's good. That's good. Anything else? One word. Community. It starts with the church. That's right. Exactly. It's interesting that Paul was writing to the church saying, the world doesn't get this yet, but I need you to get it. That's great. That's great. Uh, worthy. Students. We love worthy in the calling. That's good. That's good. Well, will you please thank our perspective panelists this morning? Hey, will you stand on stage with me for a half hour and see what questions I might ask you? So, man, really appreciate you. But that's my hope. My hope is that we would be willing to put in the effort to see from another perspective. And not just the perspectives you hear on stage, but the perspectives we encounter every day. Whether it be family in the workplace, at restaurants, in the neighborhood. I mean, you name it. We encounter people that are seeing tails and we're seeing heads. Are we willing to do the work, put in the effort, to see their perspective, to gain understanding with the intent of not winning the argument, but winning over that person's heart. Just like you were talking about, Sean. It's, a, it's about people. <coughs> we need to continue to love people well, because that's part of what we do as a church, full of love, Scripture for us. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for the, the model that you have set, that you just 
blew through those man-made cultural boundaries and you cared about the person and the heart more than anything else. God, thank you for such a great example that we can begin to follow. And I pray that through your Holy Spirit, we would be burdened to, to have those conversations, to invite people to the table that have a different perspective, that we wouldn't just naturally go and huddle with the people that are just like us, but we would be willing to have some great conversations and great dialogue that may bring about new perspectives. God, new perspectives lead to incredible life change. So thank you for using us in that way. Open up our eyes so we can see what you're doing. Because we know that then God moments come out of great moments of perspective change. So may we be willing to be used in that way. In Jesus' name.